Praise God. You know, I was feeling this area on the character. Now, we're going to kind of go through the the syllabus, but I want to do a pre-understanding of why God chooses you. And it, it goes in hand in hand with Matthew. Matthew is all a part of this. Because unlike most disciples, Matthew was chosen differently. Matthew didn't get a, he didn't get a call from his brother. He didn't see what was going on and say, okay, let me follow. He simply got a tap on the shoulder. And the tap on the shoulder was to let him know your destiny has found you. It was a tap on the shoulder. Come follow me. No preaching, no teaching, no miracle, no signs, no wonders, just a tap on the shoulder. And that was sufficient. And you think about why. Why did Matthew get up from where he was, write this incredible book called the book of Matthew? What would propel and and compel a man who was doing well financially he was a tax collector back then. Tax collectors were doing very well. Who had friends who were his friends maybe because of what he had. But something caused him to shift. Something caused him to say, I'm going to leave all of this and follow the man who just tapped my shoulder. What could that be? Watch this. The very character of God was found in Jesus. The very character of God. What would compel someone to follow Jesus is because they saw God and they saw their beginnings in him. Because you get attracted to what you, where you came from. You ever wonder why people love water? Love beaches and pools because we came from there. We came from where there was water. We were underwater, upside down, (laughs) even even more interesting, right? And so because we came from there, we want to go back there. Sometimes I wonder, what what is it about being in the water? Like we just get in there and you splash water and what do you really, wow, I had a great time. You can have that same great time in a bathtub, but it's something about the water and being in a corporate place. That's why even baptism symbolizes the going back in and coming back out. So then I decided I'm going to look into, now you're going to be surprised how fast this whole thing came together. I decided I'm going to go into looking at where in the word does it speak of? The character of God found in Jesus, of course, in Hebrews chapter 1. So I'm going to read that, and then we're going to go to Mark chapter 2, where it's going to be developed. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 1, it says, Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Everything through. Never direct, but everything through. The son radiates God's own glory. And this is the part that I want to get at. And expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. In other words, when you hear about Jesus, his person on earth, you're watching God in motion. God in motion means that if you want to know God, this is why Jesus told Philip when Philip said, 
Show me God and I will follow. Show me and I'll believe. Jesus told them in John 14, he tells them, you've already seen him. You know him. You see me, you see him. So the radiation or the radiating of God's glory is seen, and that's what drew Matthew to Jesus. Mark chapter 2. That was just the beginning. Mark chapter 2. Now we're going to get into the core of this. How many of us have ever felt paralysis? How many of us even in a service feel paralysis? Oh, yeah. Where you want to worship, but you can't. You want to praise, but you can't. In your mind, you're dancing, but it's only in your mind. You're excited about what God is about to do in you, through you, with you, but you feel paralyzed. So you're breathing, you're seeing, you're hearing, but you're not in motion. I wonder, all these paralyzed people that were presented to Jesus or that Jesus went to. See, because I believe when you're in a state of paralysis, that allows the king to come to you. You didn't catch that. Your paralyzed state is attracted or attractive to the king. So he goes, you're paralyzed. Two things are going to happen. Either somebody brings you or I go to you. Either somebody brings you to me or I go to you. Why is that important? Well, this story in Mark chapter 2 kind of puts it all together. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived. Four men arrived while he was doing what? Moving in God's character. So now we see the attraction of God's character, not just miracle signs and wonders, folks. That's temporary. Churches that are packed out with just that, they got to keep doing another miracle, another miracle to draw people. But when you see the very character of God, it's the character of God that becomes attractive. And you're drawn. But watch this. These four guys, they did not see an obstacle when they saw the people. If anything, they said, what I see here, what we see here is an opportunity to do something corporately to bring somebody out of their paralyzed moment. Church, you're hearing me. When you see that the character of God is present and you understand that his presence causes you to desire to see somebody else come out of paralysis, you team up. What kind of conversation did these four guys have? What did they tell each other? Did they speak about how they were going to bring him in? Did they look at the obstacle and say, you know what? We need to work on this obstacle. Did they say to themselves, something here is not right, but we want to make it right because we see our friend. How much love did they have for that one guy? Understand all the elements in play. It wasn't just a story of these four guys taking this guy up, bring him to the roof, dropping him down. There's so much thought process in all of that. They're, they're looking at the danger. Here's phase one. We got to get him to Jesus. We got to get him to that guy who, whose character is like God. Because Jesus was teaching. He didn't do any miracles yet. He was teaching. So the character of Christ drew them. They come and they see an obstacle. Obstacle one. Usually... When we see that obstacle, we stop because it's packed and there's no way to the solution. So we think. Sometimes we got to get into interruption mode. You didn't hear me. 
Sometimes we have to get into interruption mode. Interruption mode means I know there's something going on. I know that it is a good thing for the people. But this guy here is somebody I, what's the word? Love. Our corporate love has to bring him out of that place. So they all come together. Look what happens. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Jesus was interrupted. Notice the greatest miracles are based on an interruption, like the woman with the issue of blood. It was an interruption. It wasn't supposed to happen, but it was supposed to happen. Jesus wasn't surprised, but the people were. Jesus saw the transaction from when it first started. There are things that we do for people that we think is thought about at the moment, but it was something that God already established in eternity. And these four guys, let's talk about this for a minute. Did they risk their lives? Could the roof have fallen all with all, all four of them? Were they such construction, knew about construction? We don't know what their background was. What we do know is that they had desperation that was beyond themselves. That they desired the paralysis state of their person, the person they loved. They wanted that to end. They didn't care about themselves at that moment. How many of us could say that here today? I care more about your well-being. You, I can walk. You can't. This guy here is laid out. I'm sure he even told them, all right, guys, stop. It's okay. You tried. I'm even sure that when they were pricking him up, on, up, up to the roof, he was like, yo, you guys are crazy. I don't think this is going to work. I'm sure there were words of discouragement all throughout. But somebody within the four, if not all four of them, were saying, we can do this. Somebody was encouraging somebody. And when the church has one who says, I'm going to encourage for the sake of one. You're not hearing me. The paralysis of one affects us all. And the four said, we're going to risk our lives. Now, understand, this isn't just this fast story. There are things happening in between. Jesus is preaching. And in the middle of his preaching, dust comes down. Let's see this thing here. He's talking to the multitudes, and obviously he has everybody's attention. And dust comes down, then a piece of rock comes down, and the ceiling is opening up right in front of him. And he's going, <clears throat> and talking to the people. He's watching this whole thing unfold, and guys, they didn't just drop him in. That means that it was a slow. He's paralyzed. They didn't want him hurt. So everybody's here, because we know how, how we can always keep our attention. Because I'm sure if right now somebody came and broke, well, praise the Lord, somebody came and broke in the ceiling. Wow, that's crazy. Talk about the distractions that, that are good distractions. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Messed me up. But what perfect timing. Talking about a distraction that was everyone looked and said, wow. He's dropping down slowly and everyone went. And Jesus, because I'm sure he was cool like that. <laughs> he just kept on talking. Like y'all are surprised. But I'm not. And then he does something so unusual. It wasn't the faith of the man who was paralyzed. It was the faith of the church members. I'm sorry, the four guys. Y'all not hearing me. In a church service, there are those who come in paralyzed. And it is up to us to break the roof and say, look, we bring this person down because we care about the way this person lives. We love them. A church that loves is a church that will have the very character of God. It's dropping. 
and it finally gets to the bottom, you know what Jesus does? Jesus is just incredible. He says, he doesn't say, get up, take up your mat and walk. He says, your sins are forgiven. Now, you're wondering why he did that. Why didn't he say, get up and walk? He showed that there's power in the area of sins being forgiven, more so than the power of the healing. He wanted to make sure that the sustainability of the healing was stronger. Because you can be healed and not sustained after the healing. So the sustainability became important. And he said, your sins, your structure, your foundation is forgiven. Oh, but he also did it for those who were around watching. He did it for the ones that were looking going, what's he going to do? Because you're going to have, listen, church, you're going to always have haters amongst. And it's okay because that's part of a paralysis. And they're going to look and go, who the heck does he think he is? Telling them, telling, telling that man, your sins are forgiven. Who is this guy to forgive sins? Jesus, because I love the way he, he goes from being Kairos to Kronos, Kronos to Kairos. Meaning that he goes from being the human to God, God human, at will. That's all in the word, by the way. One day I'll, I'll teach you. He goes from one side to the other at will. And he goes and he says, because he knew what? What they were what? Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Let's go to verse 6 real fast. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Yeah, I'm trying to tell you who I am. There's ever a time, there's a moment where Jesus, let it be known, I'm God, because you're right. That's, that's a truth. Only God can forgive sins. So I'm doing it right now. So that means A plus B equals C, right? Or A equals B and B equals C. That means A equals C. Yeah, something like that. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easy to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Authority? Authority? The authority is not so much what gets seen externally. The authority takes place when you see what goes on internally. Don't tell me about the external miracle if the internal is still the same. That external miracle is just a visual, but what we find is what's inside, just like what I started with. If I open up these gifts, what's in there for me? You got something in there for me? Externally, it looks beautiful. But what goes on inside? Let's be more enamored with internal miracles than the external ones. Let's love what goes on inside of a person more. Let's bring more people that have inner hurts and inner pains than the external. Trust me, it will lead into... You have a church that's solid. Those four men represent a solid church with the four gospels. Those four men represent a church that understands the importance of bringing the one who is sick through the roof. Those four individuals represent a faith that is a corporate faith. And there's power. And we know in this church, we've... If we decide one day to, to give all the miracles that took place by way of the intercession in this church, people who are alive today because of the intercession, 
So the, the ministry of those four men is still alive today. Breaking the roof. Bringing the man down slowly. And getting a response that they didn't even want to hear originally. I'm sure they didn't understand. When Jesus said, you know, your sins are forgiven. One of them probably was like, man, we did all that for that. We could have, done, we could have got that answer some other way. They didn't know what was being set up. That the internal healing was going to be a part of the external miracle. And if we can get to a place, church, where we're more focused on what happens inside, what happens, remember last week I said the day after? What happens the day after? After you get your miracle, what happens the day after? What do you do with that healing that takes place internally? Because you're going to be challenged. I promise you that. I stand here. You know that commercial? I'm not just the owner. I'm also a client. Those of you who back in the day, you know, the whole hair thing. Guess what? I stand here letting you know that I am also a recipient of this truth. And today, a day like today, I got four individuals that came to me. Paralysis is not just a physical paralysis. You can be paralyzed in your spirit and in your soul. And the enemy laughing at you saying, see, you can't move. But when the right thing is done and the right people are around you, they come and they rescue you in your state of paralysis. They're in love with your results. They're, they're so sure that you're... Listen, you can't tell me that these guys were not sure that that man was going to walk. They must, in their minds, they must have been like, it's gonna, I know it's going to happen. They're not going to risk their lives that much without believing that there was going to be a miracle. And this guy, it wasn't his faith. It was because he, <laughs> that song, I Surrender, he was surrendered a long time ago. He was surrendered because he couldn't walk. He couldn't do the things, but one thing he could do is accept and receive. Right now, find out people in your family. Find out Friends who are going through a state of paralysis. Write it down on a piece of paper. And let it be known, these are the people that I'm going to pray for. But more than just pray for them, I'm going to risk something for them. What that is, I don't know. You would know. But to risk your very life for someone to be healed. Listen. It was quite in the natural order of things. It's quite possible that it had been one paralysis for another. Because if you fall from that roof and you're perfectly fine, you can be the next one paralyzed. Talk about exchange. The law of exchange was being there. They didn't look at it that way, but they put themselves at risk for the sake of another. My question is, are you thinking about the one who is paralyzed? Is the paralysis your business? Jesus said, turn to the paralyzed man, stand up, pick up your mat, and go. Seems like that was always Jesus' thing, because there was another paralyzed guy, he told him the same thing. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Why those three steps? Because you could stand up and not pick up the thing that kept you down. So Jesus wants you to take the memory of the thing that you were laying on for so long. I want you to grab that thing and I want you to walk it because you slept on it for so long. You laid on it for so long. Now I want you to walk it. Because those three elements represent not just the miracle, 
but a continuum of the miracle. Because every day that he walks, it is a statement being made of what took place. Now we look at this other guy who was paralyzed in John chapter 5. 38 years in his condition. His was a little different. It wasn't his friends. This guy here had no friends in John 5. We know he had no friends because Jesus tells him something at the very end. He says, go and sin no more. What could that guy possibly could have been doing in sin for 38 years? I could tell you what he did. He had issues in the heart. Every time somebody made it before him, he cursed them out, gave them the finger. Every time somebody made it before him, there was jealousy, envy, anger, all of that. Because his paralysis led him to a place of more paralysis internally. So when Jesus goes to him and says, sin no more. The question is, what in the world was this guy doing? He was doing what some of us do a lot. Some of us live here more than we live out here. Some of us have more apartments and buildings in here. More trees and mountains in here. More rivers and beaches in here than outside. So we live in our minds. And even when somebody's giving something, we'll go back to that place in our minds and make our assessment based on what took place in here and not what's really going on. That man must have had an issue. And his issue was internal. And what he didn't realize is that his sickness was based on his internal issue. He was paralyzed because he was paralyzed. There needs to be a manifestation of the things that take place internally. Guys, energy is energy and it has to go somewhere. So when you are, last, anybody see last night's, uh, um, what is it called? Interview? Live? All right, some of you watch last night's live. Unforgiveness is the cause of more sicknesses than heart disease and all these other things. It is unforgiveness. It's worse than eating a lot of sugar. When you are unforgiving, you have energy that comes out and it causes you to start to to disintegrate externally. Why? Because our vessels were designed to forgive. We were designed, our vessels were designed to forgive. And the more we are like the character of Christ, the more preserved we are. But the moment we stay in that realm of unforgiveness, that energy needs to go somewhere. It goes into our bones. It goes into our bloodstream. And it does something. Why? Because our bodies were designed. You got to hear me this. You got to get this. Our bodies were designed to forgive. Do you know every time you eat food, there's forgiveness going on in there? Let me explain that. When you eat something that ain't right, and all of us are guilty of that, there's a level of forgiveness in the body to forgive you so that you don't get the full results of that thing you ate. Who's understanding now? Our design is forgiveness all the way. Could you imagine if we were to fully go with the full effect every time we do something wrong in the body? You wouldn't make it past, I'm not going to give an age. If you live in a long time, if you've been on this earth for a long time, you went through a lot of forgiveness in your body. Who's understanding what I'm saying? So when we don't move in the design of the internal functionality of our body, then we end up receiving the same results. We become cancerous. Because even cancer is unforgiving. 
a cancerous cell will go to another cancerous cell and convince it to follow it. It is a form of evangelizing in the body the wrong way. And the propaganda of one cell to another will be based on that level. Yes, it's that intense. That's why they say people that, are, that move in, in areas, high levels of depression, is because they haven't let something go. Stop for a minute. Think about that. What is it that you're not letting go? What is it that you're still holding on to telling God, give me something? Lord, I want, I want something new. Look at my hand. Lord, I want something new. Put something new in my hand, Lord. I want you to give me something. New season, Lord. A new season, a new anointing, something new, Lord. And what is he going to tell you? Let that go, and I'll place something new in your hand. But if you're holding on to this, it's not that he doesn't want to. He's poised to give it to you. It's that you're not letting it go. But after all this is done, after these four guys show up, they, they see the miracle take place with, their, with, their, with their, their friend, then Jesus does something remarkable because it was during the same time period. Verse 13. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Could you do that today to somebody? Well, why not? Let's go, let's, go to the, let's go to the mall. How about we go to the mall, right? Tap somebody on the shoulder. Hey, listen, come and follow me. If you want to Google me, you can, but follow me. Back then, they, they don't, didn't have all that. They may have had writing in the sand. Ah, good one. But they didn't have that. My point to you is, what would, what would cause a person to be tapped on the shoulder and told, come follow me? And what would cause you to get up and follow? It better be the very character of God. The very character of God has to be the only thing that would attract you to do something. This guy, he had it out. Listen, he was wealthy, but he was empty. As a tax collector, he had money. We know that. As a matter of fact, Jesus was invited later on to a party that he had, and everybody that was there was wealthy, well-to-do. By the way, Jesus went to the party. That's no excuse for some of us to go to the party. But he went to the party because he was on assignment. You can't have a Hennessy in your hand talking about I'm on assignment. You can't, you can't do what they do and say you're on assignment. If you're on assignment, you are going to be distinguished. Jesus was distinguished. He went in there. Everybody knew this guy's different. They followed. Matter of fact, Jesus had a crowd following him that hated him. Oh, by the way, when you're on assignment, you have two churches. You ready for this? You have two churches. You have the church that loves you and the church that hates you. Because the ones that don't like you are trying to find a reason. And it's okay because if Jesus went through it, why can't we? Don't get mad when somebody's not feeling you. That's okay. It took me a while to get there. So I'm saying, look, guys, this is based on experience going through the river, climbing the mountain. But I realized it doesn't make a difference. You've got to be able to say, Lord, I am here to do what I need to do because of you. And the assignment that I have will be completed whether it's 1,000, 10,000, 
or one person. You ever heard the story of, of the, uh, the evangelists of thousands, of hundreds of thousands? Let me tell you about his beginnings. The evangelists of hundreds of thousands of people did not start with that evangelist. It started with one person, a one-on-one. When you consider how powerful a one-on-one moment is, then you will also have the effects of the woman by the well. Anybody know about the woman by the well? The woman by the well was the best organized commercial of heaven. It was structured, organized to attract a whole entire village. The word says that Jesus set up an appointment at noon with this woman. They connect. And the purpose of the connection was what was going to take place later. So you mean to tell me one person? Can you imagine if that evangelist never encountered that one person? That evangelist can also go to heaven and say, I bought hundreds of thousands to the Lord by way of heavenly multi-level marketing. Only some people caught that one. But what you do, if I do nothing else, evangelist, and you go out and you bring in the hundreds of thousands, even the millions, I am a part of that moment. Because I connected with you. So the next time you think, oh, I only speak to one person. You don't know who that one person is. And you don't know what that one, who that one person is going to be. So make sure you pour in as if it's millions. Because the message you give to that person will be the message for so many others. And God will look at that and say, good and faithful servant, all I wanted you to do is speak to that one person. Your assignment in life was to speak to that one person who was going to speak to hundreds of thousands. Whatever God's given you, take that. Run with it. Be the best in that area that he gave you. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again. He walked along. He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus. By the way, um, sometimes you got to do your homework to find out who's related to who. There was another son of Alphaeus. That means that Matthew was related to another one of the disciples. I'll let you look that up. Sitting at, at the table collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, I love this. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's today's title. At the end of the day, even those four knew that they were not worthy enough, but their faith brought about solution. If we as a church will start looking at this place as a hospital, we will be like the four. Here's the thing. Even doctors and nurses get sick. So it is our job to even identify if the doctors and the nurses in the hospital are okay. If a church does that, a church grows organically. We don't need campaigns. We don't need to have these big things on, 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 uh, on Facebook and, and Instagram. We don't need that. All we need is for people to speak about people. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, when I went, this is what happened. 
You think Jesus got famous because of TV? Or radio? His fame came to be because it was what? Word of mouth is powerful more than anything else. Why? Because the person speaking is going to speak of the results they received. Look at me. Once I was blind, you know how many people knew, look, look, you know how many people knew that that man was lame, that he was paralyzed? You think it was only those four individuals that knew about his paralysis? How about the guy, perfect commercial of heaven, the guy 38 years in the state of paralysis? How many people saw him in that state? That's why the more people get healed in this place, in the body of Christ, let's, let's do it that way. They'll come running. Right now, it's a, it's a show out there. It's a show. And people that, that know Hollywood, they know a show when they see one. Get the sick here. Stop being afraid to ask someone to come through. If they tell you no, no means yes. No means I'm so sick I can't tell you yes. I don't want to come. I know we get so... Can you imagine... Okay, because I'm, I'm very visual. When they first brought the idea to the lame man. Listen, man, we are... We're going to carry you. You know, there's a lot of people over there. We're going to carry you over to Jesus. You with that? I, I don't even want to go into what he was saying when he was up, up on the roof. I'm certain there were many moments he was saying, no, I'm good. This is crazy. You guys are out of your mind. And right now, when somebody goes, because, you know, we got to be politically correct. Somebody goes, no, no, I don't really want to go to church. I don't want to go to church anymore. Oh, okay, I just want to respect that. That's, that's fine. Meanwhile, that person's dying inside. The paralyzed man could have said all these different things, and I love what she said. When they were on the roof, when gravity is now involved, I want nothing to do with it. Guys, I love you, and I know you'll love me too. Bring me back down. And then there's always one smart aleck, right? Yeah, we're going to bring you down, all right? Don't you, right, right through this little hole right here, we're going to bring you down. And even coming down, I can imagine the face of that person looking around going, what's about to happen here? How about this one? How about when Jesus says your sins are forgiven? And he's still laying there. <coughs> he's still laying there. Now what? The truth is that at that moment, he could have been so discouraged. But Jesus pulled from the faith of the four. Their faith. He pulled from their faith. Mind you, does Jesus need other people's faith to do the miracle? No. Jesus did a lot of the miracles based on his own faith. Jesus said, get up, take up your mat and walk based on his faith. Let's go back to the, let's go to back to the par paralyzed man in John chapter 5. That paralyzed man was asked the question, do you want to be well? You know what his response was? It wasn't yes. He started giving excuses to why not. See, because when you're not healed, you find reasons why not. His paralysis state kept him from understanding that this is a yes or no question. Jesus didn't ask you, tell me the story on, tell me why you were there. Tell me. No, it was not the faith of that paralyzed man. It was Jesus' faith. 
because he knew he was messed up in here. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And even still, there had to be a sign of that miracle to that man. He must have felt his muscles moving. There must have been some impulse. I am so, listen guys, when I get into the word, I want to see everything. I visualize those, you know, muscle atrophy. You know, when, when all of a sudden it starts moving, it just, I'm watching all that take place. This, this is how I look at things. When I read the word, I see the whole thing. This guy is spitting up stuff like I can't, because everything's working. I can only imagine what else happened there. It wasn't just a miracle walk. He probably, he probably peed on himself. Because it was, those areas were not functional. So when it comes back to functionality, we got to pay attention. And he got up and he walked and that was the faith of Jesus. You know how I know that it was incomplete? Because Jesus went and looked for him. The guy who, the, the first guy, Jesus didn't go look for him. He already know he's, he's done. Because he even said, your sins are forgiven. But this guy here, he had to go, let me go find this guy. Let me let him know that he needs to chill out. He needs to chill out with the thoughts that are in his head. Because there was nothing he did physically. But there was something he did in here. Folks, please hear me. God knows your thoughts. And I'm not saying that your thoughts are the end all, but your thoughts are the beginning of. If you manifest your thoughts, then you lead into the next stage. But if you can manage that area first, the management of your thoughts, control the movie. Make sure that movie is not dominating how you live. Make sure that movie that includes the stars of the show, which were people that hurt you years ago. Make sure they're not stars of the show anymore. Matt, ooh, that's a good one. Manage your movie. Manage your movie. Allow Jesus to capture does the word say? The imaginations? What's, there's a term. It's capture those, those imaginations. Allow the Holy Spirit to capture those things that will cause you to move into other areas. I know a man of God right now. God, he's... What has happened? What has happened? <clears throat> Excuse me. He's such... A powerful man of God with such knowledge of the word. And he now does not believe that Christians go to hell. He should be like this. Christians don't go to hell. He made that part of a subject as if we're saying that. It's retrobate. No one says that Christians go to hell, but why would you make that a topic? The truth is you're trying to throw a stone and cause an uproar. And there are people that have knowledge of the word and they're going out there confusing the church. Confusing people in the church. And confusion leads to people believing that their lives are not right and they start questioning themselves as believers. That's unfortunate. Our job, folks, our job is to make sure that moving forward, we're able to bring about an understanding that God wants everyone. And once you're in, he builds you up. Once you're in and you say, here I am, Lord, let Holy Spirit be the one to start molding you and stop using hell as a ploy to draw people to the church. 
Because it leads back to fear. I'm going to close with this. Well, I have a strawberry banana body armor. Two things that's going to cause this church to really accelerate. Let's pay attention to each other's homes. I care about you. Let me not just say it. Let me do it. The power of exchange. I know sometimes it's hard. We got things to do. We work. But if it's only Sunday, then we've got a problem, folks. We need to make sure that this floods over into the week. And I'm not telling you that you got to call a person up every day either. But I am saying, show me that this here is beyond a day or a protocol. Show me that this here goes into the other areas of life. Something. Some people just don't mesh, and that's clear. We, we understand. But the one thing that's a common denominator is that we all love to be loved. We all love to be paid attention to somehow. Let's make it happen. We'll veer off, but as long as, long as we, can, we can come back again, as long as we can come back again, praise God. Let's be like those four men, ready to pick up our friend. You going to like this one? Let's see. Ready to even pick up our enemy. Oh, that's a hard one. Some of y'all say amen in between your teeth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Put the face of the person who hurt you the most on that. Who's hearing what I'm saying? Put the face of the person who... Put the face of the person who hurt you the most... Put it on that mat. Put it on that mat. And once you do, then you are now a part of the four to watch the miracle take place. Think about it. If their state of being is based on their sickness, then you just heal them for you. Because their healing blesses you. Please stand.